So we're going to be in that same passage of Scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And last Sunday, we began a new series. Some of you were away. It was Labor Day weekend. But we started a new series called Shape to Serve. And the key verse for this series is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says, We are His workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that's our key verse for this series, Ephesians 2.10. And last week, we also looked at verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians chapter 2. And those verses tell us how a person is saved. So we did some addition and subtraction uh, last Sunday. Faith plus works does not equal salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. So faith plus works does not equal salvation. Can we uh, advance that slide, Lance? I know you're doing two things at once now. (laughs) Faith plus works does not equal salvation. It's faith minus works equal salvation. Does that mean that our works are unimportant? Unnecessary? No, we'll see that in a moment. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. But Paul is very clear in those two verses that we're not saved by our works, what we do. We're saved by what Jesus did for us in his death and resurrection. And that is a gift from God. That's what grace means. It's unearned, undeserved. We receive it freely from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so faith minus works equals salvation. We receive the gift of eternal life. We're forgiven of all of our sin. We escape the wrath of God. We have heaven to look forward to through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith alone. And that's because of the grace of God. Now verse 10 tells us why a person is saved. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. We're created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. So faith does not equal salvation minus works. You know, being saved, being created in Christ Jesus doesn't mean just getting a ticket to heaven and We're not responsible for doing any good things. That's not what Scripture says. That's not what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says that faith equals salvation plus works. So we're not saved by our works, but we're saved for good works. So faith in Christ, to be created in Christ Jesus, means that we're saved and that we are to do good works. So that's what I mean by faith equals salvation plus works. So the main thought in this series, Shaped to Serve, is that God has shaped each of his children in a unique way so that we can serve in a unique way. Uh, We're all unique. We have unique backgrounds. We might come from different places. 
We have different interests, different personalities. Some of us are male. Some of us are female. Some of us have different life experiences and different abilities. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts this morning. So God has shaped us in unique ways so that we can serve in a unique way. Last Sunday, we did a little math, addition, subtraction, as you saw. We reviewed it. This morning, I want to do, uh, well, talk about a different category of math, something you may have learned in math class. Maybe some of you not quite. Yeah, I think we all have learned this type of math. Geometry is what I'm getting at. You know, about shapes, angles. So I have a quick quiz just to brush us up on uh, geometry. First of all, what do you call a shape with five sides? Pentagon? Some of you said it. How about a shape with six sides? Hexagon. What about a shape with eight sides? Octagon. So those were fairly simple. A couple that maybe are a little more challenging, maybe not. But what is the sum of the interior angles of a triangle? 180 degrees. What's the shape that is often called a diamond? A rhombus. Finally. And I actually forgot to write down the explanation of this one. So I'll say it this way. Can someone tell me what a scaling triangle is? Boy in the back here. That's isosceles. Scaling has to do with the angles. I believe it's, is it all different angles? Right. I should have, in my notes, <laughs> reminded myself what a scalene triangle is. So it's been, a, it's been many years since I took that in math. But, you know, in thinking about angles, numbers of sides, the lengths of the sides, all of that, you could theoretically come up with an infinite number of different shapes. And that's like how God has shaped us. You know, we're all unique. We're all different in some way. And God has uniquely shaped us so that we could serve in a unique way. So three questions that I asked you to think about last week. How has God shaped you? Something to think about. How has God shaped you? We'll think more about this today. What do you think are some, God's work, some good works that God has prepared beforehand for you to do? And are you willing to do those good works? Now, in a church, you could say that there are two kinds of people, or people who profess to be Christians, two kinds of people, consumers and servants. I've heard it said that in most churches, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, I don't think it's quite so bad here, but it is true that there are a few people in our church who are doing a lot more work than some other people. 
You know, a consumer, consumer, consumer goes to church with a wish list. You know, what does this church have to offer me? What can I get out of this church or from this church? This church is supposed to give me and maybe you have a list of things. And I'm not saying it's wrong to look for a church that will benefit us in some ways, but we're not to come to church just with a wish list. A servant, on the other hand, goes to church with a to-do list. You know, a servant says, you know, how can I help this church uh, do better in this area? Maybe not look for all the strengths, but maybe look for the weaknesses. And, and how can I help this church be better? Maybe children's ministry. How can I help the church be better uh, reaching kids and teaching kids? You know, how can I give this, this, this ability or my time to, to help the church in this way? So a consumer has a wish list while a servant has a to-do list. So are you a consumer or a servant? Well, to help us to be effective servants, God has given to us spiritual gifts, which we read about uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A spiritual gift, very simply put, is a God-given ability for service. And let me give you eight facts about spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one. Uh, we're going to go through these uh, kind of quickly. But number one, Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, we have the word everyone in verse 6, each in verse 7, and each one in verse 11, which means that if you have been created in Christ Jesus, if you are God's workmanship, if you've put your faith in Christ and been saved, then you have at least one of these spiritual gifts. Now, the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are the ones we might describe as more supernatural in nature. And historically speaking, uh, Baptists have believed that these gifts have ceased. Uh, not everyone agrees with that. And some Baptists today might not agree with that. And maybe you're here and you don't agree with that. We're not going to get into the specific gifts this morning. We want to think about them in a general sense. So every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Number two, no spiritual gift is unimportant. Later on in the chapter, Paul says that the church is like a human body. Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So the human body has many members or parts, the same is true with the body of Christ. The parts of the body have different abilities or functions. So it is with us. Each part of the body is important. An important ability. Now, nobody has all of the spiritual gifts. That means that we need one another, just like the parts of the body need one another. Uh, if you're playing baseball, you need several parts of the body to work together. You know, if I throw the ball, I need my hand, right? I need my hand to throw the ball, but I also need my eyes to show me where to throw the ball to. Now, when I catch the ball, my hand can help out the eye so I don't get hit in the face. So the eye tells me where my hand should go, 
and protects my eyes. So the hand helps the eyes, the eyes help the hands. They work together uh, when playing baseball. And so that is how it is to be in the body of Christ. We have, we have different abilities, we have different gifts, we have different strengths and weaknesses, and we are to, to, to work together and, and see that no spiritual gift is un, unimportant, no Christian is unimportant. Number three, spiritual gifts are expressed in unique ways. So, so maybe you have the gift of encouragement and someone else does, but... The way you express that gift, though you have the same gifts, uh, is different depending on you know, who you are, your background, your personality, all of that. You know, it's the same with, with teaching. No two teachers are the same. You know, you might teach the same topic or the same passage of scripture, but that will be done in different ways with a different personality and so on. So spiritual gifts are expressed in a unique way. Uh, maybe you admire someone. A lot of times preachers admire some other preacher and they start to sound like them and it's really inauthentic. Uh, maybe you want to take some things and imitate those things, but don't try to be that person. So don't try to be uh, exactly like other people. Your gift can be expressed in a unique way because God has shaped you in a unique way. Number four, spiritual gifts do not determine spiritual maturity. So earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, this is chapter 1, verse 7. You, speaking to the church in Corinth, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. So they were a very gifted church. But Paul goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 1, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So they were very gifted, but they were spiritually immature. You know, you might see someone who is a great preacher. And you might say, well, that guy is a, is a great Christian. He's a great preacher. But maybe he's a great preacher, but, you know, his life doesn't line up with what he says. And so you can preach and preach in a great way, but at the same time be spiritually immature. What is the real measure of spiritual maturity? Paul goes on to talk about this in chapter 13. The real measure of spiritual maturity is love. That's what needs to motivate what we do. And so that determines spiritual maturity. Being a very gifted person doesn't make you spiritually mature. And we'll have a whole other sermon on the topic of love, serving in love. Number five, spiritual gifts do not limit a Christian to only one kind of service. Let's say after the, uh, the service, I... I, I say, well, I, I need a, a group of men to help move all of these chairs. I, we're doing some event. I don't know what that would be. But uh, we did this for VBS, I guess. We arranged them in a different way. Uh, you shouldn't, maybe, maybe your back hurts and you have a valid excuse, but you shouldn't say, well, moving chairs doesn't line up with, with my spiritual gift. If there's a pressing need and you're able to do it, like moving chairs, uh, don't give that as an excuse. You know, you're not limited to just one kind of service, just the things that line up with what you believe is your spiritual gift. So don't use them as an excuse not to serve. Uh, you know, certain spiritual gifts are given to some, but we have commands in Scripture that have been given to all, such as 
encourage one another. You know, some people are gifted in that area, so they do it better, but that doesn't mean that the rest of us are excused from encouraging other people. So that's another thing to keep in mind. We're not, we're not limited. Now, we should probably focus on what we do best, but we're not excused from doing other things if we have the ability or the opportunity to do them. Number six, spiritual gifts must be developed through constant use. Paul says in Romans 12, 6, having gifts, let us use them. Paul wrote to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, 1 Timothy 4, verse 4. So they're like you know, other abilities, natural gifts. You know, if you don't use them, then you might lose that ability. It's like, it's like baseball again. Uh, I used to play baseball a lot when I was younger. Shouldn't, shouldn't puff myself up, but <laughs> back when I was in high school, uh, I had a very good throwing arm. And uh, I usually played center field, and I could throw the ball from deep center field all the way to home plate. And I had a good arm, but I don't have that arm anymore. And uh, every spring, the first time I throw a baseball, I always say to myself, well, I'm going to, this year I'm going to keep throwing a baseball and I'm going to strengthen my arm, uh, but I never do that. And if I were to try and throw a baseball, this baseball from center field today, the result would not be good. My shoulder would be sore all week probably. Uh, I just can't throw, I can't even attempt to throw it as hard as I can because I know uh, that's going to injure my shoulder. So the fact that I haven't kept throwing I've lost that ability to throw a baseball like I used to be able to do. And, and the same is, is true with our gifts. You know, if we don't use the gifts, then, you know, they don't get developed. So we must develop those gifts through constant use. Number seven, you don't need to wait until you discover your spiritual gift before you start serving. I know there are those spiritual gift surveys uh, and they can be helpful. Maybe sometimes they could lead us astray, uh, but uh, I think they're often helpful. But you don't really have to discover. Maybe that would be good if you discovered what you think. It might narrow it down for you what your spiritual gift is. But often the best thing is just to start serving, and eventually you'll find uh, what your strength is, what your uh, gift is. It's just like, you know, one day I had to start playing baseball, and I discovered I liked it. And I was okay at it. So uh, that's true with anything. You just need to start doing things, and then you discover uh, the ways that God has gifted, gifted you. And then number eight, finally, not last one, we have been given spiritual gifts for the common good. That's in verse 7. So we're supposed to use these spiritual gifts not to impress other people, not to be praised, but to help one another. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Peter, sorry, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So use it to serve one another. So these gifts are all about service, serving one another in the body of Christ. Jesus declared the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. Christ was the greatest of all servants. He is our Lord, he is our Savior, and we are to imitate him. He has a servant's heart, and we are to have that same kind of servant's heart. And so we're not to ask as Christians, what can I get? That shouldn't be our first question, at least. What can I get? Rather, we should ask, how can I serve? Uh, to carry a to-do list. So are you a consumer or a servant? We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, given spiritual gifts to serve, shaped in a unique way so that we can serve in a unique way. So I want you to think about this. Eventually, at the end of this series, we're going to give you a survey, and you're going to indicate ways in which you could serve in this church. And some of you are serving already, and maybe there's an area that you're gifted in that maybe we don't know about that you can let us know. Or maybe you need to discover that for yourself. So think about how God has shaped you. What are the good works that God has prepared beforehand for you to do? And are you willing to do those good works?